Today's lesson uh, is on page uh, 12, beginning in our book, and uh, the title of our study today is Exemplary Christians, and Micah read the, uh, the uh, text uh, in the devotional this morning. Paul, of course, uh, Dwayne introduced all this to us last week uh, when he came to Thessalonica. One of the reasons he came was uh, because there was what there? A synagogue. Yeah, a synagogue. And what was the synagogue used for? Is It was a center of, uh, of uh, assembly where uh, people came together to discuss mainly Old Testament uh, scriptures, wasn't it? Of course, at the time that we're studying here uh, in Thessalonica, and you'll have to pardon me if that gets too loud. I, my ears stop up on me, and I can't tell really how hard I'm talking or loud I'm talking. So I don't even know if I need that or not. But anyway, we'll go on. But, but when Paul came to Thessalonica, he came to that center of, uh, of learning and teaching uh, called the synagogue. And uh, he reasoned there for how many weeks? Three Sabbaths, yeah. Dwayne brought that out last week uh, to us in the uh, first lesson. He reasoned there were three Sabbaths, but he didn't reason about Old Testament scriptures, but probably his reasoning was what Old Testament scriptures pointed to, which was what? Christ, yeah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died, shed his blood on the uh, Calvary's cross, was crucified and then raised from the dead. That would have been the substance of Paul's uh, uh, teaching. If you turn to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, he'll tell you that in the opening part uh, of that chapter uh, where he preached only the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, uh, persecutions arose. Uh, Jews... Uh, they didn't like Paul's message concerning Christ. Many of them wanted to hold on to those Old Testament scriptures and those Old Testament ways that dealt with the law of Moses. So they began to oppose him. And the opposition sometimes in Paul's case became so bad that his life was in danger. And so the brethren at Thessalonica and uh, Paul uh, got together and, and it was best for him to do what? Leave. Yeah, he had to get out of town. Uh, or else his life might be taken from him. And of course, uh, that would have been a, a great uh, deterrent to the growth of Christianity if Paul died prematurely. So, from Thessalonica, he went to where? Berea, as Duane uh, pointed on the map last week that he had displayed for us here. Uh, the Bereans received the word? Yes. In fact, they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not the things taught were so, right? We're told that in the book of Acts. And, of course, what happened at Berea? Those persecuting Jews from Thessalonica filtrated down there 
And Paul had to do what? He had to move on, didn't he? And so he moved from Berea down uh, uh, to Athens. And, of course, uh, uh, at Athens, uh, what did he find? He found a world full of idolatry, didn't he? Yeah, you remember, uh, and, and Dwayne's been there, stood on that Mars Hill where Paul probably delivered that sermon in Acts uh, 17. Uh, as I came into the city, he said, I saw all of these shrines uh, uh, built up to all of these gods that represent uh, uh, different uh, things, but yet I'm here to tell you about who? The unknown God, yeah. The unknown God. So Paul preached the gospel in uh, Athens. Uh, maybe with some results, but not as good a results as he did in some of the other places. And so after he uh, left uh, Athens, he uh, went to Corinth. And uh, it was at Corinth, uh, the Bible tells us, that Timothy and Silas came to him and gave him the report concerning the status of the church at Thessalonica, and that's when Paul sat down and penned uh, the letter uh, that we're studying here in 1 Thessalonians this quarter. Uh, look at uh, your book there on page 13, and look at the passage from 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 and 18 that's given to you there. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan has hindered us. When you read that, uh, when you read that verse, and in light of today, what do you think about? Anything come to your mind? Yeah. When I read that verse, I thought uh, about how happy we've been in the last few weeks to see people here that we haven't seen since last. March, you know, almost, well, a year, I guess, in some cases. And, and Paul's saying here, you know, uh, there was uh, a time that I'm, pres uh, that I'm not present with you, but I was present how? In my heart. My heart was with you. Uh, and, and these people that we've missed here in services due to COVID, we haven't seen them and we haven't been in their presence, but we thought about them often, right? You know, we, 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 uh, we've thought about Miss Aline Dixon and, and Miss Lori Brown and, and uh, Leighton and Joy who weren't here and, and Ruth missed some uh, with us and Mackie's back today and uh, Ray and Beauty and oh, I don't know who all, you know. You miss, uh, you miss people. Uh, but there's a great deal of joy when you see them again. You want to hug their neck, don't you? 
uh, and shake their hand. They tell us not to do that, but, you know, that's part of life, isn't it? And that's part of Christianity. I'm really not afraid to shake anybody's hand. Take it away from you, a short time in presence, not in heart. We want to see you again, but we couldn't because we were hindered. And we were hindered uh, by the COVID-19 from uh, seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's what I thought of when I read that verse, or those two verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 uh, there says that this book was written after Timothy bought uh, a report of the faith and love of the people who made up the congregation in Thessalonica. And in verses 7 and 8 of 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul wrote these words, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the faith. So what was Paul thankful for? The faithfulness of these brethren to the cause to which they had been called. And that was the cause of Christ. And amidst uh, all that goes on today, they had a lot that hindered them. There was a lot of hardships and persecutions that people in the days of uh, Paul and Thessalonica that uh, were facing. But we have our hardships today too, don't we? You know, we have to deal with a lot of things. We have to, we have to deal with... Um, Leaders in our government who I just heard this week, our vice president say it'd be all right to abort a baby uh, just two or three days before scheduled for birth. Now, what kind of world are we living in, people? What kind of world are we living in? You know, uh, we've got some folks here that's going to be uh, uh, experiencing the joys of a baby in, in, in the near future. Hey, you want to take that baby and, and kill it, you know, just two or three days before it to be born? That's, uh, you know, that's sad. And I think it's sad that we have a leader who'd say that. I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat. They're not godly. And one of the great reasons that the Roman Empire fell in the days that we're dealing with right here was the immoral conduct of the people of that empire. And I just wonder sometimes how close we're getting. You know, it's, it, it's a sad situation. And I pray every day in my prayer life, that our leaders will make decisions based on God's will. But yet, we see so many who don't think that way. And evidently, they don't, they don't love God and they don't believe in God. If they do, as Mama always said, they had a poor way of showing it. <laughs> you know.
That's exactly right. But this is a good lesson today and a positive lesson today because it is a lesson that, uh, that complements the faith of a church, of a congregation of God's people. Uh, they were exemplary Christians, as the title of our lesson here suggests today. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians 1, the first 10 verses, down to the bottom, page 13. The exemplary faith of the church at Thessalonica is on display in this text today. Uh, persecution, hardship, difficulties did not keep these Christians from doing what God required, according to verse 6. They didn't hide their faith. They showed it. Now, sometimes, uh, sometimes we may be uh, afraid, uh, and we may not want people to know exactly who we are and what we stand for. I think a lot of politicians are like that. Uh, but these people openly displayed their belief in Christ and their willingness to suffer even by serving him. Notice verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? A good reputation in Christ for these Thessalonians. We're to be the salt and the light of the earth, he says here in Matthew 5, 13 and 16. And he said we can learn some good things from the example of these brethren here at Thessalonica. They were Christians two ways, both in what? Word and deed. Yeah. What they said and what they did. That's right. And you know, we need to be uh, cautious about that today. And certainly we need to imitate the example of this uh, this uh, church or this assembly that met in the city of Thessalonica. They, they uh, were workers. Song says, I want to be a worker. Where? In the kingdom of the Lord, isn't it? And that's where their work was, uh, uh, was uh, done. And they weren't... Uh, they weren't satisfied with that just being limited to one place, but what did their work do? It caused the word of Christ to go out. In other words, they were evangelistic uh, in their work. They wanted the message, and the message went out everywhere because of their example. Uh, Brother Brian Hall put on Facebook 
this week uh, uh, a thank you for the church here for the uh, money that we sent him to use in the work in uh, Guyana in South America. Uh, and we appreciate that very much. We've got letters from other places that we supported as well. Uh, but uh, the McCoynsville Church of Christ is known in South America, uh, India. Uh, we're known in India, Dwayne. I think one of the first church buildings, if I remember correctly, that McCoynsville built in India was in honor of brothers and sisters gossip, I believe. And that's been several years ago. Uh, but uh, the name of our congregation is known in India. And other places as well. But we don't do that just so we're known. Uh, we do that because we want the word of God to penetrate everywhere. And if we can help get that done, then that's a good work uh, for the church to do. This church in Thessalonica was known for what they did and what they said in respect to Christ. So it's no wonder Paul wrote chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. So Paul paid them a compliment, and received a lot from uh, their example. Uh, the greeting is verse 1 of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, Paul, Sylvanus, or Silas, that's the uh, same, uh, same person, and Timothy, the three who were greeting this congregation, they came to Thessalonica on the second missionary journey. It says Paul's name is probably mentioned first because he's the principal writer. Uh, Silas and Timothy may have contributed some, but most of the message that you'll find in uh, this letter is written by the Apostle Paul. One thing he does not do in this letter that he does in a lot of the other letters that he's written in the New Testament he does not identify himself as what? An apostle. Now, we don't know why uh, he didn't mention that in this letter. Uh, there's an there's a, uh, explanation on uh, page 15 there that Gene L. Green supposed that apparently he didn't feel the necessity of emphasizing that point since he was so well known and close to the congregation there at Thessalonica, and they regarded his preaching as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he didn't need to establish his apostolic authority. Some of the other books, uh, he was challenged, like uh, the book of Romans, for example, uh, challenged whether he was an apostle or not. And, of course, there's others uh, down here that you see uh, given too. But he did not do that in this particular book. We don't know exactly why, but nevertheless, it wasn't done. 
two men uh, mentioned uh, with him here, Silas and Timothy, both faithful, faithful men in the work of the Lord. Uh, Silas, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't know a whole lot about Silas. Uh, he comes uh, first mentioned, I guess, in Acts 15 and verse 23, where he is described as a leading man among the brethren. Uh, no doubt Silas was a Jew, like Paul. Uh, was a worker in the kingdom of the Lord and an aide to Paul. Timothy we know more about. Paul described him even as what? My own son in the gospel, didn't he? Uh, Timothy uh, probably was the closest co-worker that Paul had. Uh, and Paul addressed two personal books uh, to Timothy uh, in the New Testament. And uh, he is described in Acts as having a good report among the brethren at Lystria and Iconium. So he and uh, Silas joined Paul on that second missionary journey. Uh, and even though they didn't get to stay together for that complete journey, uh, eventually they were uh, reunited. Now, the letter is addressed to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the book of 1 Thessalonians was not written to all of Thessalonica, but it was written to those who were a part of the assembly that gathered in Thessalonica. Uh, the church, the word translated church actually means assembly, as your book here describes for it. And I like the, uh, I like the observation by Brother Earl Edwards. Uh, Brother Earl was a uh, Fred Hardeman uh, man and... Uh, uh, He's a very intelligent man, and this is what he said about that. Their assembly was not made up of all those residing in Thessalonica, but rather only those who were in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did they get into God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, they were baptized into Christ. Uh, and therefore, in baptism, by contacting the blood of Christ, that process of reconciliation occurs. Uh, Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 59, says that sin separates man from God, right? And Paul in Romans 3 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? So all need reconciliation. Everybody in Thessalonica need to be reconciled to God because everybody in Thessalonica was sinful. Just like we all are today. We're not perfect. Not a one of us. We all make our mistakes. We all sin against God and we all stand in need of being reconciled to God. But we can't be reconciled unto God unless we're obedient, which includes 
baptized for the remission of sins, doesn't it? Because that's the only way we can obtain the blood of Christ and receive the reconciliation that we need uh, to God. So sin separates us from God, but we're reconciled to uh, to, uh, God through Christ. And these people were in Christ and God the Father because they'd been reconciled, they'd been baptized into Christ and therefore servants of God. And then, of course, he closes the uh, uh, salutation by grace and peace. Time's getting away here. Grace, uh, grace speaks uh, about who? God, doesn't it? Yeah, God. Uh, you and I are undeserving people. We're sinful people. In fact, we're the people that brought on the necessity of Jesus Christ having to die on the cross for us. Uh, But God loved us enough and was willing to extend his grace to us that we could be saved. We didn't deserve it, but God extended it to us. Now, Does that mean God just swoops us all in and everything's fine without us doing anything? No, no. The grace of God is available to us. And the blood of Christ is available to us. God has provided the gift, so to speak. But we have to do what? We've got to receive it, haven't we? A gift doesn't become a gift until the person it's offered to does what? Takes it. Yeah, receives it. So God's extended grace to us, but grace alone is not going to save us. It's going to, we're saved by grace through faith, Paul says in Ephesians 2, don't he? So the need of our obedience And, of course, if we are obedient to God's uh, will and and, uh, doing what we need to be doing and uh, we're reconciled to God through Christ, then we can have peace. And and your book says peace reflects the Hebrew wish for wellness and wholeness and ties the grace of the Christ to the foundation of the God of the Jews, the one true God. Um. through Christ and through our obedience to the gospel and the realization that our sins have been cleansed and that God has forgiven us, we ought to have peace, aren't we? Uh, We ought to feel that peace because God's been good to forgive us. Second, uh, or the next section, Thanksgiving. You know, uh, these verses show Paul at his very best, I think. In essence, he's, he's telling these uh, people at Thessalonica, I didn't come here to attract attention to myself. I didn't come here to get a free ride because, as I believe Dwayne mentioned last week, 
when he came to Thessalonica, did they support him? He supported himself, didn't he, while he was there? Yeah. Uh, didn't come to get a free meal and then move on to another place. But he came to do what? Establish the church in that locale. There's a lot of people in this world today that get hung up on uh, the name like we have the McCoinsville Church of Christ. And they'll say, well, it's not the McCoinsville Church, it's Christ Church. Well, what's the purpose of the McCoinsville before the Church of Christ? Only to do what? Give people the location where we're at, you know? And some congregations have gone to the, to, to the idea, you know, we are the Church of Christ at McCoinsville. Well, that's okay, you know. That's okay. There's a lot of places that do that even now. But yet that name just gives the location. We are the Church of Christ. We're the church that belongs to Christ. Not my church, it's not your church. It's the Lord's church located at this particular place. And Paul says, you know, I came to do that. I did that. You're the called out people of God and you're always in, uh, on my mind and in my prayers. He prayed for them. In fact, uh, in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, uh, your book says there, Paul had that deep concern for all of the congregations of the church that he served. So Paul was thankful for the brethren that was at Thessalonica because of their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the top of the page there, Morris uh, tells you uh, in each of those three categories, faith is the topic in chapters 1 to 3, love is prayed for in verses 3 to 12, while the concern for their hope and their steadfastness is found all the way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now, thankful for their faith, he expressed confidence in their election by God. That's an interesting statement there. They vote on them and say, uh, all in favor, <laughs> we'll add this one to the church. Well, no, that's not, how, that's not how the election worked in that time, wasn't it? Notice down here the comments by David uh, Lipscomb and J.W. Shepard. All who believe and obey the gospel of Christ are the elected of God. Now to me, that just kind of clears up the whole thing. Their election was their acceptance in Jesus when they believed and obeyed him. Because they accepted and obeyed the gospel, Paul was certain 
of their election by God. So their calling or their election was not some mysterious, you know, thing. It wasn't a, a better felt than told feeling. They were called by the truth of the gospel, the message of God, the fact that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and then rose. That was what Paul talked about, and that forgiveness came only through him. Well, they too complimented Paul because they said he and his company did what? Practiced what they preached. He lived before us what you talked about. These people were called by the word that Paul preached, and Paul's preaching was as you were confirmed by the Spirit of God, he was able to do miraculous things. But likewise, they complimented Paul and his company in that they modeled the message they taught. So influence. Last section. Time's already gone. But anyway, I don't see any children will say a word or two more. Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 said, Be ye imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. Uh, needless to say, the, the church at Thessalonica served as an influence to the world. Uh, you know, we face a lot of challenges today. They faced a lot of challenges in their day. Uh, I don't know, the world that we live in today is a big challenge for Christian people. Because everywhere you look, uh, the devil's got a temptation for us. Every advertisement you see just about uh, tempts you to either lust or covet or other things. Uh, it, it's a it's a sad world today, but you and I live in it, and we have to deal with it. Now, the Thessalonian brethren rose to the challenge, and they suffered for the cause of Christ. Peter says, "Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be what ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf." All uh, who are Christians will suffer hardship and persecution, Paul told Timothy in his writing. How we handle that is what really matters. Example. If we give in and others see that we give in and we indulge ourselves in all that the world has to offer, then our example's not going to be what it needs to be, is it? In fact, we're going to say, it's all right, just, just do it all. We have to stand firm in the faith. That's right. So we're to be the example. And because they were a good example, they had influence everywhere. Uh, Macedonia and Achaia 
Verse 7, they influenced. Other places spoke of the positive influence of these Thessalonians here. In spite of all the faced, all the bad things, they preached the word. That's what we got to do today. Bad things that are out there, Temptations that we face daily, the bad decisions that our government makes and all of that, in spite of everything that's going on, we have to stand firm in the Word because only the Word with the blood of Christ is the way we deal with sin. And it's the only way that we can overcome it and be forgiven of it is by being obedient to the gospel and standing firm in that. Applications down there are good. Um, just look at those, if you will, and uh, read those. Uh, the questions over here, I think we've already uh, answered. Our time is gone. We must give up sinful practices and publicly dedicate ourselves to God and his service if we have any hope of a better life after this. Let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the day you've given us and for every blessing that we receive from your hand. Thank you for letting us gather here together today to study your word. We pray, Father, that we will seriously take the things that we've talked about today and implement those into our lives that we can become better servants of yours, better examples before others. And, Father, help our Christian influence to aid and assist brethren everywhere. Continue to be with us. Forgive us of our sins when we fail you. And bless us in the hour of worship and help us, Father, to worship in spirit and truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.